When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. All right, we have got a special episode of From the Pink Seats podcast in store as we teased. Uh, in our weekly preview, where we talk about the the game that was, the game that is upcoming, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson and the, the special uh, event that we saw on Saturday uh, as his number was retired there at Cardinal Stadium against Syracuse. In order to do that, we've got a couple of great guests, uh, one of which is Robbie Bell, former Louisville football offensive lineman and now the offensive line coach at Trinity Football, and also what I like to call skinny Robbie, because Robbie went and got skinny on us uh, when we weren't watching. Robbie, welcome into the show for the first time. How are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing a lot better, you know, now that I'm referred to as skinny Robbie nowadays. <laughs> first of all, how, how's the knee? How's everything holding up? Last time we heard you were obviously going through some injury issues as you ended your career there at Louisville. And uh, how, how's everything going since, since that's happened, man? Uh, do, doing pretty well. Um, obviously, losing a bunch of weight from like <laughs> – Working out and eating less and all is made uh, made um, dealing with and having the knee get back to normal because like when you're 300 pounds, it makes like dealing with joints and lower body injuries a lot more difficult. So now that like I worked out a bunch and ate, ate less and all that stuff and all, all that's made everything a lot better. So. Well, we are glad to hear that you are uh, obviously doing better. And you're also now a high school football coach. Let me ask you this. Have you, uh, in Oklahoma, Jarrell, destroyed a high school kid yet and felt good about it? Well, he, he's, oh high, he's the high school football coach for the best high school football team in the state. Okay. You well, are right about not. that. Go Rocks, take state. Um, <laughs> no, I, there have been multiple times when, like, I've just absolutely wanted to. And, like, I kind of went on a rant on a rant because obviously like it's playoff times and everything and and like and I, i'm honest with my players and everything and uh we talk about like seniors like most seniors on high school football teams like when you get to the playoffs like those are your last your last days are numbered for football for the rest of your life and i kind of I, I had an honest conversation with them today and i was just like guys we need to like you need to just like enjoy and embrace and like go all out as long as you can because you never know when football is going to be taken from you and all this. And I talked about, like, obviously I mentioned myself, I was like, guys, 
I didn't expect to be done with fo- this time last year. If you had asked me, I'd still be playing football. And I told him that our uh, the other O line coach that I work with, um, he, I told him uh, like off the, off the cuff. I was just like, Tommy, like football goes away too soon, doesn't it? And he was just like, yeah. And we told we told the kids like we miss it every day. We don't get to play it anymore. And so like kind of just went on a rant to them about enjoying the time that they have and like making the most of it and all. So inspirational, man. You're making me yeah. want to go Big out time. and go back to my high school days and take up football. We talk about this a lot. Vince, I asked Vince a couple weeks ago, if you and I lined up in an Oklahoma drill, will, would you kill me? Like, would, would you kill me or would I have a chance? And my biggest regret is not playing high school football. You've gotten me inspired. I'm going to try to figure out a, a way to Billy Madison this and go back in time and get in school and play football again. But let's, let's talk about Lamar Jackson, man. Saturday, uh, was definitely one of the most memorable um, football games, obviously because of the score and what Louisville did against Syracuse, but uh, because of the retiring of Lamar Jackson's number. I, I know that like when you look at Jersey retirements, like in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing more than just getting a sign up in a stadium and your number, you, you know, your numbers can't be worn again. You know, in the grand scheme of things, no one's really talking about it day to day. But at the same time, in Louisville football, only two players now have their numbers retired. Um, it's a special accolade that Lamar received. And, and you spent a ton of time with him in your career. Obviously, you were the starting center in 2017, all 13 games. What was what was your relationship like with Lamar during college? And um, how has it how has it been since, you know, he left for the NFL and you went about your football career and now post football? Uh, we were honestly uh, I. Like, I wish I could say, like, oh, me and Lamar were, like, best friends. We hung out every day. Like, we honestly didn't, but we were we were buds. We were able to uh, joke around in the locker room and all. And we actually – so this was – because Elle wasn't around for the new uh, for the new lockers and everything. In the old locker room, the O-line and the quarterbacks were, like, right next to each other. So, for the two years that I was with Lamar, we actually had lockers right across from each other. And so, we did interact a lot and everything. It was always fun to, like, joke around with. And – uh just mess around like locker room, just uh, everything. But um, now he's in the league. Uh, honestly, he's kind of a busy guy. <laughs> so just winning MVPs, trying to trying to win Super Bowls and stuff. And I've been a college student and now a high school football coach. Like we just, he's kind of got bigger stuff going on. So like I don't really hit up Lamar. Like try to text. Fair, but uh. But we have seen each other a couple of times. A couple of times he's been back to U of L or at games uh, over the last uh, last I guess four years now. Um, and like every time we've uh, seen each other, we've said hey and like dapped each other up, gave each other a hug, told him that I um, love seeing him succeed and everything. So uh, that's really like the extent of our relationship, other than him. Occasionally touch my butt, you know. Uh, <laughs> more than occasionally. Okay. <laughs> Would he, is he more likely to recognize your face or your ass? Like more, like if we're being honest here, do you have to bend over for him to recognize who you are? Well, no, I don't. I have a very recognizable, uh, great ass. I do know that. Uh, that's been more of recent with the weight loss, uh, uh, the great ass. But uh, he does recognize my face, believe it or not. Wow, this podcast already went uh, off the rails, and we're ten minutes in. <laughs> but anyways, uh, in the grand scheme of football, Lamar's still a relatively young guy. He's only been out of Louisville for about four years. 
only been this he's been the starter for the Ravens for a couple years now, but like compared to some of the other guys in the league, he's still a young guy. So what was your reaction like when Louisville announced that he was going to retire his jersey and it's not even been half a decade since he's left the school yet? Uh honestly, like I saw I remember seeing the tweet and I want to say it was like uh it was Vince Tyra that tweeted it and I was like I just saw the tweet and I was just like, no, it's about time. Like where's where's the statue at? Where where's this coming up? And like like I said, I say that like kind of jokingly, but that's really what was my reaction because I was always it always felt after being around him for two years and like obviously everything he means for the city and for the university, it just felt so weird seeing other people wear the number eight. Even if even like when when uh, one of the guys, me and Vince came in and like a uh, guy uh, like guy that we're buddies with, Keon was number eight in 2019. Like it just felt weird, and then for in seven in 27 or 2018 we gave we gave eight to another player with the last name jackson like it just felt <laughs> yeah that, that like, was it just felt so wrong and like weird and i don't know if that was part of like get recruit recruitment because he was like a freshman like i don't know if that was part of recruitment like getting him hit here or whatever like oh we'll give you number eight and you can be the next jackson and eight but like it just felt weird seeing other people wear it after everything he's done wearing that number because like before before l came around like you didn't really see many people wear the number eight and then ball out like it whether that's college or nfl like i can't i couldn't tell you a number eight in all honesty so it's just odd and so i'm i was so excited and everything when i saw that and wondering where this when the statue's coming along uh, uh how that's coming so I got some ideas for it. I can be a part of it. Um, it could be us. Uh, I've got a good reference photo from the UK <laughs> game. Of, uh, Just you uh, bent uh, over. Uh, him under center. Yeah. I'll be there. We'll add me pointing at something to make it look a little cooler. Uh, uh, but um, but yeah, I'm, I'm waiting on the statue now. All right, well, I'm sure so it's coming soon. I, I know in my mind, I have a good idea of this. But what is your favorite Lamar Jackson story? Now, I've got one in mind that I think, you know, viral video of some sort that might be your favorite, but. That's, that's not my favorite. It's probably my most infamous and funniest one. But uh, uh, I, I honestly, my favorite, and it's, and it's more of him on like a personal note of like him being like a generally like kind of cool guy. So it was the spring ball of 2017. So it's before the tw- or, uh, before the 2017 season. There's a position battle at center between me and then two of two of my really great friends, Tyler uh, Haycraft and Nathan Sheeler for center. And um, like it was one day, like I just had an awful day. It was one of the one of the like four times in my career as a center where. I just had a day I forgot how to snap football, apparently. Every snap was high, blah, blah, blah. It was just a bad day. It was an awful day. It was like the second week of camp. Like, Coach Summers had came in. He's like, we were ready to give you the spot, and then you just you just peed down your leg today. Like, that was horrible. He's, he, and he straight up said that to me. And, I mean, he was right. Like, it was an awful day of practice. And, like, I was just kind of sitting there. I was just like – I was just like almost feeling bad for myself. I was just like, what are you doing? Like you, 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 
just not forget how to snap the ball and you're playing center, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm just sitting there like moving slow to cut off my tape and like uh, uh, still sitting in my um, uh, pads and everything, not my pads, but like sitting in my shirt and my, and my knee braces and all. And L because he was obviously because he was L he had done like a post-practice interview. He was the last guy getting in. And uh, he, has, uh, he came up to me and he was like, you, you're gonna, he's like, you know you're going to be able to do this, right? And I was just like, what? Like, just kind of was in my own world, like spaced out. And he's like, dude, you're going to be able to do this. It's all good. You're going to be fine, man. And uh, like him just being like genuinely cool enough, a kid, I was a freshman, had had a, only a handful of conversations with him during the fall of that of the 16 season like for him to be cool enough to go up and like give me that like reassurance and everything was awesome and it was it just kind of spoke to him as like obviously he's always been like a fun-loving cool carefree guy but like he was a genuine person and like was, and was actually like a nice guy too so that's my favorite story i'll give you a two for a second story uh funniest one the one vince is talking about um uh and like and i got crap for it on twitter too so like the video of the offensive lineman that went viral on barstool and everything like going to dap up lamar after a touchdown against boston college and lamar goes and daps up jalen instead and like i forgot about that kind of like daps himself (laughs) up that was me and like and when you watch the video, Jalen is jogging from behind me and I'm jogging towards Lamar and I see Lamar put his hand out. And so I'm like, oh, we're going for the dap up. I put my hand out <laughs> and Jalen like runs by me and like him and L do their handshake. And I'm just like, oh, and like at that point it had been out for a minute. So I just dap myself up jog off to the sideline and like like I was just like I hope to god nobody got that on camera like that that had and like and that was a game like at half we're up 21 it was 28 7 and then we ended up going we fumbled on the last on the what would have been probably the game winning drive we ended up losing like 45 to 43 to a Boston college team that hadn't scored a touchdown in a game and like five games, like they'd only kicked field goals. So like I was in such a bad mood that we had somehow lost a shootout with a Boston college team that didn't score touchdowns. And then I'm, I'm in my car with my parents were driving to go get some food. Cause it was like an earlier game. So we were driving to go get uh, uh, like a late lunch, early dinner. And I get at on Twitter, I'm like, it's some random weird account. And it's that video. And I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> to myself. I'm like, I literally, I literally said out loud to myself, I was like, oh no, they got they got me on video. And then my phone started blowing up. Uh, yeah. Barstool's <laughs> tweeting it and everything. Barstool didn't even at me, kind of offended by that. But like it just goes viral. I'm just like, oh my God god and then it's like once every two years it gets brought back up and like a couple years ago l and lamar or uh, l and lamar l and jalen are like they talk about it on twitter 
And I'm just like, they're just like, yeah, Robbie, for some reason, jogs up. I'm like, no, I wasn't for some reason. You got to think about it. <laughs> my point of view, I didn't see Jalen with the back from the back of my head. So it's like, it's just a funny, like, wow moment, you know? So that is, that is what Vince was referencing. It's, it's the moment that you realize no matter what you do, you play the same sport as this other guy. You just won't be as cool as him. No matter what you do. <laughs> That's you exactly, that wasn't Yo. the moment I realized I wasn't ever going to be as cool as him. Uh, I think that moment was the seven touchdowns in the first half against UNC Charlotte. Yeah. I realized, oh, we play the same sport. Just we're not the same. Like, we're <laughs> There's the same. levels to this <laughs> shit, man. But uh, that was the moment. But um, – Definitely was a moment where I realized, all right, Lamar and Jalen are way closer friends than me and Lamar. And I figured it, but that was just confirmation. He was just kind of like, oh. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go jog to the sideline. Yeah. All things considered, knowing that Lamar left you hanging against Boston College. Is that the Chucky Williams games, by by the way? Is that the game where he got his soul? Just absolutely obliterated by AJ Dillon. I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. In defense of Chucky Williams, AJ Dillon is like a stud in the NFL now. That, uh, that, is, that is true. We're not arguing like, that, but we define like that game like as the Chucky Joe game. Schmo, it's not like it was like some Joe Schmo running back. Like AJ Dillon's like, he's balling out now that he's getting a chance with the Packers. So, like, it, it was a dude. At the same time. I appreciate you still all these years later standing up for Chucky, like trying to build his soul back up after that. Because that is I'll, one of the worst stiff arms I've ever seen in my entire life. All things considered, Saturday, watching that game, I'm not sure if you were in, in attendance or watched on TV, but what were your emotions, thoughts as Lamar had his uh, number retired? Yeah, I actually was sitting with Vince, uh, but um, like it was just – it was such like a kind of like cool, like almost surreal experience. Like it was awesome seeing him, seeing like the actual like genuine joy and appreciation on his face. And it was fun. And it was fun, like kind of making fun of myself, like when they do the highlight video and I go, oh, there's me. And like I say it as like a matter of fact <laughs> thing, like, oh, like I was with Lamar. Like I'm, I, I helped that. Like, when in all reality, I was just the guy that could snap the ball and knew the offense the best on the front on the front five. So like, like, but it was it was so cool seeing him and seeing like seeing his like genuine like smile and appreciation and everything. Like I felt it felt awesome uh, uh, to know that like I got to be a part of that and like I was just so happy for him. All right, so we saw him in the whole Gucci fit, right? I want you to one rate his fit and then two Robbie what is the most expensive piece of clothing that you own okay uh rating his fit um he had the huge Gucci one jacket the Dude, he looked like the jacket he looked had, like a turtle had, shell I'm not even shirt, gonna lie um it, it, it did it looked had, like a turtle he had, shell he had he had he had his um his little like the African wild dog uh, chain on. It looked good. I'm gonna give it a solid eight out of ten. Okay. And reason being, I feel like, and he might have had it. I didn't see it, but you gotta wear your chain with the leap. Like, 
Dude, yeah, that's perfect. You have it, yeah, especially like, against Syracuse, knowing yeah. that's like the against game. Against Syracuse at home, like for your jersey, you gotta wear that chain. So it's gonna be an eight out of ten. And what what is what's the most expensive piece of clothing that you own? Okay, again, living with not me, an all Gucci fit. <laughs> again, living with me, Vince knows I'm not like a huge clothes guy. I'm a huge free clothes guy, though. <laughs> Love free, free clothes. This shirt I mean, was free. I, do, I, I made the adjustments on the sleeves myself, but this was free. Like uh, my most expensive clo- piece of clothing, and Vince has a handful of them too. Is probably the big winter jackets U of L used to give us. Oh, those yeah. things are mad. Those are parkas, right? Dude, yeah, they're huge. Okay. They're <laughs> great. They're also like three hundred plus dollars a pop, and I've got like five of them from U of L. So <laughs> oh love God. those things. Uh, my family loves them because I would let my family borrow them and like use them and all uh, during games to stay warm whenever it got cold or rained. So that's my most expensive article of clothing. Okay, real quick before Matt jumps in here, I just want to hop in. You talked about the, the leap chain. And in our episode this week, we talked about Lamar's outfit and just the total cost. But the chain alone for Lamar's leap, he should have worn it just based off of the fact that you don't pay $100,000 for a chain and not wear it every day. It kind of shows the money he has. $100,000 chain, mortalizing the play against the team Louisville was playing. I, you're right. Robbie, I'm with you. I think I got to dock him a letter and, and, grade and, by based off okay, not wearing that. I know that's completely him, fair. I'm giving him. I'm giving him crap. He might have. I didn't see it though. No, he didn't. The only thing I saw was the one with like the dog, like his logo from from his brain. That's the only. That's the only pain I. I saw that and a couple smaller ones, but those are the only chains I saw. Again, I'm sitting in the stands. I wasn't on the field, so he could have been wearing it. Yeah, I, I was on the field. I was next to him. I don't think I saw the change, but then again, it was a complete scrum of media and a whole bunch of other people. It, it was a zoo. It's 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 amazing. Yeah, like it, it, it looked wild down there, but I love the ceremony was awesome. Uh, getting the band to do the A and then spell out Lamar behind him was great. So okay. absolutely. So obviously, you've been around Lamar a lot. You've played. You played together. You guys are buddies. Well. I guess the handshake. He, I, he touched your butt. That's yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, he, he we'll, touched. We'll draw the line there, man. He touched your butt a lot more than once and consensually. I laughed. <laughs> but I, I say all that to say, what's it like for you watching a former teammate, college teammate of yours, turn into someone who is a generational NFL talent, and when everything is all said and done, could potentially be one of the NFL's all-time greats. Okay, one, it's kind of vindicating um, because I've been, ever since I met L when we came in and everything, and, like, even before that when I was getting recruited and I would come and watch practice on visit and would see him just, like, go be the best athlete on the field, like, I knew immediately, like, oh, okay, this dude's special. But, like, it's vindicating in the sense that, like, everybody when he was in the pre-draft, oh, Josh Allen's better. Oh, this person, better. this person, Josh Rosen's guy. Like, no, no, screw you guys. It's L. And then like watching, watching like media pundits, obviously not watch his pro day. And this just sticks out with me because obviously I was the center. We did do under center because we ran a pro style offense with, with coach Trino. 
like one of the big talk knacks was, oh, can he do under center? Can he do under center? Because they assumed, oh, he's a dual threat quarterback. They do a lot of read uh, and zone read and power read. Like, oh, he just runs everything from the gun. Like, can he actually take under center? I knew for a fact he could. If you watch any of our film, you know for a fact he could. But Ed you're over here like, I felt his hands back there. I know he can do it under <laughs> yeah. center. <laughs> yeah, but like Ed is pro day. Ed is pro day. Um, uh, I just remember this, but like, cause NFL network, like everybody was there obviously cause it was L, but like at his pro day, he took every single rep, um, from under center. And one of the big media shows that I love to watch, even though I don't agree with a lot of the stupid stuff he does or says, uh, Colin Coward literally later that day goes on air and he's like, Lamar Jackson's never taken under center snap in his life. He didn't do it at UofL. He didn't do a single one at his pro day. And I was just like, when he said the line of, he didn't do a single under center snap at his pro day and uh, look at his completion percentage from his pro day. Like, I was just like, I just started getting angry. I was just like, are you kidding me? He had a ton, like receivers were just straight up dropping balls at his pro day. And he did every yep. single rep. From yeah, quick, quick did him no justice during that pro day. Bro. When what was uh, uh, Jack Wayne? Uh, yeah. was the best receiver at his pro day. And Jack Dwayne um, ended up coming back to the team and playing in 2018. So that shows um, the quality of receiver that he had that day. Who? Jack, Jack Dwayne. He was Who the day. hell is that? That's a movie Jack character out of a Tom Cruise. A, yeah, uh, seriously. Pretty sure. Hey, Jack he was, was a baddest cool guy. little, baddest little white boy wide receiver we had on the team. I promise. He was a he was a, he was a walk on. Got a little bit of his playing time on special teams um, his last year, but he was not your prototypical NFL receiver. <laughs> and he was by a mile the best receiver on the field that day. And Jeez. he like it was just it was just it was not a great, but but like it was vindicating because everybody would point to that or point to. Oh, he's dual threat. Oh, look at all his rushing stuff. And they would like kind of just like downplay him. And you still hear it today, like the doubters and everything. And so it's vindicating, like, I've been fighting, defending this guy. And to see him go succeed, I'm just like, you know what? Screw you guys. I was right. I told you so. Like, I've known it. I was part of this. Like, I know this guy's different. Like, and so it was awesome. I, I think everybody on those teams with Lamar could kind of just tell that. You know, this guy, whenever he gets to the NFL, he's he, they're either going to figure him out very quickly or he's going to be the greatest thing that's ever touched the field. All right. And, and like, it's funny because we're all like, it, it, I'm willing to say this. Every guy that was on those teams is willing to die on that Lamar Jackson is going to be great hill and will silence all the doubters hill like i feel like we're all just absolutely ready to die on that hill and he keeps proving us right what makes you more mad which which one of these takes makes you more angry uh hearing as we step into the therapy hour of the show uh booger (laughs) booger mcfarland's it's just lamar and a bunch of dudes or bill polian calling lamar jackson a running back which one makes you more angry uh, definitely the Bill Polian one. Um, <laughs> Is that because you agree? Did you agree with Booger McFarlane? Because I feel like a lot of fans. Okay. No offense so, to you guys. There's no offense to you guys, but I feel like a lot of fans now look back on that and like, ah, you know what? He might have been right. Okay. So, so saying just a bunch of dudes 
in regards to like the NFL, like, okay, he didn't play with NFL, NFL player here, NFL player there, NFL player here. Like, but you can in, in, in scope and reference to college because like there's, there's great college players, there's good college players and there's NFL players. There's great, good NFL players. Me, I think I was completely okay college player. I was good enough. Most of the time I was on the field because I was, I knew what was going on. And <laughs> I, I, I will go ahead and hype myself up and say I was probably one of the smartest guys on the field at all times. I will hype. Like, and like James Quick is the all-time U of L receiver. Jalen Smith, all-time U of L receiver. Jamar Staples was great, was great uh, his last year in 2016. Like, Brandon Radcliffe was a fantastic running back for U of L. Is one of the up there, one of the best U of L's had in the last two decades. None of those skill guys panned out in the league, though. You know, and uh, L definitely had like up front. We have Lucas still with the Seahawks, Jarrett with the uh, with the Texans, Makai's obviously Makai. I think Cole's gonna uh, Cole's gonna get end up getting a chance to go to the league. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys. But, uh, uh, Tobias Tobias got a shot, went to a camp. I'm pretty sure. Like he had some guys up front, but like when you talk about uh, player with quarterbacks, you normally talk about like the weapons they have. Lamar had good weapons for college. Lamar did not have like an Alabama wide receiver core where every single one of them to first round pick. Oh, and his running back was a first round pick. He didn't have that. So it depends on like the frame of reference for that, for that question and for that statement. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that was probably the best way I could articulate that actually. They both um, they both are infuriating in their own right. I think we can we can argue them but all. But they're definitely can... both infuriating in their own right. And uh, I love like okay, Bill Polian, you obviously you're a Hall of Fame uh Hall of Fame GM. You also for a reason had that number 1 pick in 98. You just happened <laughs> to fall into you know a top five quarterback all time in Peyton Manning. Yeah, I'm taking shots at Bill Pullman. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm here for it. When you hear stories about Peyton Manning, it, like, just listen to the Pat McAfee show anytime he talks about Peyton. Peyton was the GM coach. He was everything. He ran everything. Okay, you, you were gifted a generational talent. Oh, and then when that generational talent got hurt, got hurt and was like career threatening wasn't sure oh you got andrew look another generational talent and you ran him off by having him just get killed every week because <laughs> at the time he had an awful line oh i know so, i'm currently wearing an andrew look shirt <laughs> so like bill point hall of fan gm i'm not arguing that but he had some good luck too so it Let's not say that he he knocks every pick out of the park. All right, man. We're going to get you out of here on this last one. Louisville right now, if you look at bowl projections, likely going to finish six and six, maybe seven and five if they can uh, beat Kentucky. 
which that's another conversation for another day. Uh, I'm sure you've got plenty of thoughts on that one. But right now, it's the Fenway, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. It's the Duke's Mayo Bowl. It's the uh, the Pinstripe Bowl. So in your career, you you got to you got to partake in I believe three bowl games, right? So you had the yep. Citrus Bowl in 2016. Mm-hmm. The Music City Bowl uh, in 2019, and and then I'm missing one. 2017 right. was at the Belt Bowl. Tax the Tax Slayer Bowl. All right, so which bowl game has the best bowl swag that you got? Okay, you so, said you're a man of free gear, so tell me a little bit I about got, the bowl game. Uh, <laughs> best bowl swag was definitely the Citrus Bowl, but best time was definitely the music city bowl and that's by like a mile the music city bowl was the best time yeah i second that you know hold on you can't just end on that like why what what was it that you got to what you got to play in sec school and win did you did you hit broadway the night before and you have epic tales of the bars at 2 a.m and then going out and kicking the Mississippi State ass or what? Like what? What made it such a great time? You two are over here giggling like schoolgirls, and oh. I just want to be in a little bit. You don't have to give me the details, but just fill me in a little bit on what made it so good. Downtown, so, Boston, man. No, normally, well, okay. So I'll give like a little bit. So like normally, bowl trips, you're there for the full seven days because it was in Nashville, it was closer, and like just due to I want to say it was like weather or something, like we ended up only going down for four days and everybody got to go out that first night, have a great time on Broadway. All the guys that were old enough. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Me Didn't and Vince stay out past curfew. But have a great a time. Broadway. I was not a player. We didn't okay, go to the Vince. same places. We weren't allowed to hang out together that night. Uh, but, um, and then, so there was one bowl event, and it's actually hilarious. They did like a like a pro wrestling, like you know, like WWE type thing, for just the two teams in the hotel, like two days before the game. And I was never into WWE growing up. My parents were afraid of being country, like we're. We're a white family from uh, Georgia, real close to the middle of nowhere. Didn't want to get tagged as uh, a specific group of people that love uh, 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 pro wrestling in that area of the country. So, <laughs> um, so like, I'd never done it. It was so much fun. Like, our entire team in 2019 got into it. was having a great time. And, like, the whole Mississippi State's team was just sitting in their seats, like, text on their phones and like well we were like interacting with the wrestlers doing fun stuff the wrestlers were loving us and like that was actually the moment i was like oh we're gonna we're gonna beat these guys like we're way (laughs) we're way closer as a team and more like loose than these guys are these guys who just are just ready to leave and so like doing that was awesome fantastic time obviously getting to win the dang bowl game because we got blown out against lsu and then we we were winning most of the game. People forget we were winning most of the game in 17. And then just some bad it <laughs> fell apart towards the end. Ended up losing against Mississippi State. Had a rough game against a guy that's a now a pro bowler. And I defend myself because that was probably my worst, worst game of my career. Uh, the guy that I was against every single play. Oh, yeah. He just also happens to be doing the same thing in the NFL for the Titans. So defense. I think it's pretty valid on my part. 
Um, but actually getting to go win, played a really good game, and then go hit Broadway right after the game was awesome. Nashville's the best. Uh, Music City Bowl was the best bowl by, by a mile. Fantastic. What a great episode, man. You brought it tonight. This is great stuff. Real quick. What what's the what's the weight right now? Tell me. You played at what three three hundred two ninety five, right? Uh, so last year, last year was actually my heaviest playing weight while I was probably my leanest. Like actual season, I was probably my leanest last year while also being at my heaviest. I was I was at three hundred five. Um, I actually today weighed in at three sixty nine point eight, I believe. Three. And so, three six first, well, two thirty six. <laughs> what is happening? Okay, I was way, gonna say, well, you went the wrong way, way man. Say, Hold on a minute. No, I, my degrees were not in related to numbers at all. I wrote <laughs> papers. That was my deal. I did not deal with numbers. Like Vince, Vince knows. Tried to help with math one time. I was like, I don't know what I'm looking at. And so, it's playing online. Two thirty six. I got those all all jacked up. All right, Robbie Bell, thank you so much for joining and talking, Lamar. We've got uh, a little bit more of the episode to go. Make sure you tune in. Sarah Ellison, Baltimore Ravens. We're going to talk Lamar and really get into Ravens football. Uh, Stay tuned. All right, we keep things moving here on From the Pink Seats podcast. Uh, Solo now without Matthew McGavick and uh, Vincent LaCoco joined by Sarah Ellison. Uh, really excited about our episode here uh, to talk about Lamar Jack about Saturday, having his number retired for the Louisville football program. Sarah covered the Baltimore Ravens for a long time, former editor and writer for the Ravens, now covers the the uh, organization on her own, doing podcast, radio interviews, all that fun stuff. Sarah, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to just talk about Lamar. So I'm excited for this convo. Yeah, this is uh, probably one of the more odd interview requests I would imagine that you get, because normally you're probably asked to come on and talk about a game, talk about what the Ravens are doing in the draft, who they're signing, who they're trading for. This is specifically looking at a college program and the tie to the player in the in the professional level. Got to be a little bit interesting for you, I'd imagine. It is. I mean, well, every every time, you know, we have a draft, we always inherit, you know, new fans of whatever players we've drafted. Uh, but it is on another level with Lamar. I can't tell you how many Louisville Cardinal fans I have following me now. I mean, it's got to be bigger than any other, you know, college, including my own alma mater. So uh, I feel like I have a connection to to everyone in Louisville. I will never forget. Uh, I think it was two years ago, 2019, when the Ravens played in Cincinnati. And every year, when the Ravens come to Indianapolis or they go to Chicago or they go um, to Cincinnati, Louisville fans will make that journey because it's you know three, four hours, whatever, depending on the city. Right. But I will never forget Jim Harbaugh talking about being able to def- to clearly point out that there was a boost from Louisville fans at this game <laughs> in Cincinnati, where obviously Bengals fans are crazy as is. Uh, really just kind of started the the journey for Lamar, the Ravens and Louisville and the ties that they have there. But let me start here. You look back on 2017 um, and you look at the Ravens going into the, the 2017 draft with Lamar coming out of college. Um, you know, obviously division rival Pittsburgh passes up Lamar. Um, you know, the Patriots pass up Lamar, I believe, on two different occasions. There was a lot of different teams who in that draft were tied to potentially looking at Lamar and he falls 
to the last pick of the draft, to the Ravens, a, a program organization historically known for finding value late in the draft. When you look back on that, uh, is it just still crazy to think that the talent you see now is what, um, you know, fell late in the draft there for the Ravens? Well, it it is crazy. And at the same time, it's not. I have to tell you this draft story if you if you want to hear it. Oh, you know, I did. Of, of Lamar Jackson. Okay. So this was the last draft <clears throat> that I was employed by the Ravens. Still covering, but I was in the building. Now, um, at the time, well, the Ravens, all teams like to hide their draft plans. The Ravens are on another level. They're, they're almost paranoid. They're almost paranoid. And I got to tell you, well, the first, first time I, like, I got hired there, they let you know that if you had any leaks to the media on anything, you'd be kindly shown the door, okay? The Ravens don't like to leak information, especially around draft time. They were so nervous about other teams finding out that they had interest in Lamar. Nobody ever found out that he came to visit the Ravens pre-draft. And they were very proud of the fact that they kept that, they kept that hidden. Probably helps that Lamar didn't have an agent because it's usually the agents that leak that stuff. Um, and so the Ravens were so nervous about this that Eric DaCosta, our current GM, but the GM at the time and Ozzie Newsom, didn't even tell their own scouts. And if you'll recall, the Ravens had previously used their first round pick on a tight end. So they didn't have any more picks left. So what typically happens is, so there's, if you can picture this at the Ravens facility, there's, there's two um, levels and the upper level is where most of the coaches and scouting offices are. They have a, they have the draft room up there. And at the other end, there's this boardroom, which, you know, sometimes we would use too. Now at the time of the draft, my, my team, the digital team, we got moved so that we could be next to the big auditorium where the Ravens come down and do press conferences. We got placed right outside of that in what is usually, uh, I can't remember, it's, it might be the linebackers room or, or somebody like that, but one, one position team room. So we're directly underneath the hallway that runs between the draft room and the boardroom. And what happened is, is after all the scouts left the draft room of the Ravens, they went down to go kind of eat over by the boardroom. And so everybody thinks the Ravens are done for the night. We're downstairs on digital trying to get stuff up on social media. We're trying to get stuff up on the website. And then we look up at ESPN and it says the Ravens just made a trade with the Eagles. They're coming back in the first round. I, and like, I am not joking, Jacob. Above my head, there is this stampede of scouts running running from the boardroom back to the draft room because they had no clue that Ozzie Newsome and Eric DaCosta was about to do this. And then all of a sudden you look at your screen and the Ravens have drafted, drafted Lamar Jackson. They wanted him so badly, but they wanted him at the just right spot. They wanted him still in the first round that helps with the five-year contract. They didn't even tell their own scouts, but I can tell you everybody was elated just elated that they were able to get him. And then all, you know, you know, that interview he gave, gave with Deion Sanders, oh, they're going to get a Super Bowl out of me. They're going to get Super Bowls out of us. It just injected the Ravens were going through such a dull period with Joe Flacco, who was wonderful. He helped us win uh, a Super Bowl, obviously, Super Bowl MVP. But it just, the Ravens had just regressed into this mediocrity. And from the moment Lamar Jackson stepped on the field, 
the Ravens soared again, just soared and became one of the best teams in the NFL. And he really hasn't looked back. That is such a great story. One of the things I love about our show, anytime we um, do anything involving Lamar Jackson, we talk about, you know, we have a former player on a former teammate of his. I always like to hear these stories because like I said, last week before the the show, at this point, you can just make up folklore about Lamar and people will believe it. I mean, you can, you can literally say he picked up Cardinal stadium and he carried it literally. And people are like, Oh my God, that's amazing. And I've got a, I've got a three month old son and we sat, you know, I sat with him. He, he's obviously his head's flopping around trying to just figure out what he is in, in human form. But we watched the thing. We watched Lamar's number retired on, on Saturday. And it was a moment, you know, I'm sitting here telling him like, you are, you're never probably going to get to see this guy play football, but this is a moment that you should remember for the rest of your life. Because in my <laughs> yeah. lifetime, I'm, I'm only 28 years old, but this is the second player who I have ever seen at Louisville have their number retired. The first being Angel McCautry, a Baltimore native. So, you know, a little bit of ties there. So, um, oh. you know, it's, it's crazy to see Lamar, um, uh, you know, four years out of college, five years out of college, already having his number retired um, and honored this way. So let me ask you this, you know, we saw uh, with the video about a month ago when they announced Lamar was going to have his number retired. We saw at the stadium on Saturday, the messages from the coaching staff, some of his former, t- his, his current teammates. Have you ever seen a connection stronger um, between a college town and a player than what you've seen with Lamar Jackson? No. No. And, but to, to be honest with you, I have, I also haven't seen, well, that might not be true. I've, I've seen a connection like with Baltimore and Ray Lewis mm-hmm. and, and, and this is right up there. I mean, like I said, I have never seen a college town follow me just cause I'm a small connection to Lamar. Like this, this college town will take whatever connections they can get to, you know, to keep them going, but it's understandable why. Lamar Jackson, not only do the Ravens like win on drafting an MVP, we know that the car, the, the, the Louisville fans know that, but he's so ridiculously likable. He's so lovable. He's so, I mean, he just, he's, he's all about work, 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 but then he's so great to teammates and to coaches and he's such a leader because he leads by example so it makes sense to me that these louisville fans will never want to let him go ever not only because of the success he's having and and also to put this with it how many people doubted that lamar jackson could even be a quarterback period in the nfl Mm -hmm. and and trying to push him into other positions running back wide receiver and then, so, so Louisville Cardinal fans come across to me as they're like, we knew first, mm-hmm. we knew before all of you, they knew before me, they, because I didn't follow Lamar that closely. I was busy covering the Ravens. Uh, they knew before most Ravens fans. And now like these Ravens fans and Louisville fans can come together because they're like trying to prove to the world that he is going to hurdle whatever obstacle you put in front of him. And so it makes sense to me because all the Louisville fans want to be like, we told you, we told you, nobody was listening to us, but we knew he'd be great. You're, you're, you're spot on. Like your analysis there of, of Louisville fans just bonding, not only with Baltimore fans because of their love for Lamar, but their, their willingness and wanting to defend Lamar and always have his best interests. I mean, Louisville fans for years, even when Lamar won the Heisman, it was Deshaun Watson should have won. He played for a better team. And then in 2017, Baker Mayfield won, although Lamar Jackson's stats from his Heisman year were significantly better. And and throughout, obviously, the NFL portion, which I, I really am excited to talk about the Ravens side of things with 
with Lamar. Um, it's it's very clear he's been doubted, and Louisville fans just bond with anybody who sees the value in Lamar Jackson and loves Lamar the way that they do because he is a, a generational player at the University Absolutely. of Louisville. I never thought I'd see a Heisman in my entire lifetime. I, I can tell that I can say that to you. Just quite honestly, Louisville football has always been good at football, but never exceptional. And Lamar Jackson was the um, was the was the exception there, you know, quite frankly. And so um, what, what do you think on, you know, just Lamar getting his number retire what you saw on Saturday? What was it like for you? I don't know if you got to watch the game. I know it's an ACC network type of thing, but I'm sure you've seen the content being put out on social media yep. and the videos. What did you think just watching him? And uh, he cried. That's like a real emotion, a very real emotional Lamar Jackson um, having this, this honor uh, at such a young age. Yeah. I haven't seen him tear up, but since he, he won the Heisman, um, he certainly hasn't teared up, you know, uh, that I'm aware of anything else with, with at the Ravens. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny. Cause I, I was listening to, and his to his press conference at the Ravens um his last presser before um he was gonna go to Miami and then from Miami to to Louisville and um it just came across to me that there was there was this genuine gratitude and there are some superstars who you know reach the level of Lamar who kind of get caught up in so much noise and this and that Lamar never gets caught up. He never listens to criticism. He never listens to the media and he's always so focused, but every once in a while he'll allow himself a moment to not think about the game and actually cherish things within the moment. And in this press conference and in this weekend, watching him on social media, I loved being able to watch him to just cherish the moment. It, I don't think it's lost on him and in the slightest, the significance of this honor that was paid to him. He knows that it usually, if it does come around at all, it's at the end of maybe being having a Hall of Fame career and they already have a yellow jacket. No, Louisville won't, isn't going to wait that long. They know greatness when they see it. And to be up there with Johnny Unitas, Another, you know, Louisville and Baltimore quarterback that, you know, will forever be famous. He knew it. And I love that just some people who are superstars just take it all for granted. Lamar doesn't take any of this for granted. He is so honored and so genuinely grateful that it makes you want to tear up and cry a little bit. And, and even all, the, all of his defenders who've been, you know, shouting his praises, want to, want to cry a little bit. So it was just a heartwarming moment. And I loved every minute of it, of it for Lamar and his mom and everybody that's been by his side to get him to this point. It, it really was so surreal. I mean, just, just watching him uh, in 2021 in that moment, like I said, I've got two kids now watching it with my son and just soaking mm -hmm. that in versus remembering um, in 2016, in my first year out of college, when Lamar led Louisville to that 62 to 10 victory over number two Florida State, it's just this. It's just such a, a, a feeling that I've never felt before as a football fan, and um, it's something, quite frankly, we, you know, as fans, we don't get to experience enough the greatness of players. We, we you toss around the, the word great all the mm -hmm. time in players, but when you talk about character, skill. Um, perseverance that just the ability to overcome so much Lamar uh, really fits into all of that 
Um, so let's talk about the NFL side of things. I, I'm, I'm curious to really kind of get uh, your thoughts on his, his career and, and this season and how things have gone. Um, just this year, let's talk about this year, 2021. Lamar, oddly enough, ranks, uh, I believe, eighth in passing and in rushing in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, at this point, that's just like the cherry on top to, to the yeah. number eight being retired. But, I mean, I've, I know that you probably listen to National Pundits. You hear what Stephen A. Smith and, uh, you know, Max Kellerman and some of Mac, Mike Greenberg, some of the big names in the NFL have have said they've tossed around those those three letters, MVP this season. Um, but the the Dolphins game kind of obviously spoiled some of that fun. But what are just your thoughts on how Lamar has played this season with, um, you know, the, the, the pressure still to, to overcome so much and get the Ravens back to a Super Bowl? I honestly am even more impressed with Lamar this season than his 2019 MVP season. And the reason being is, uh, I mean, 2019, oh my gosh, was that so much fun? 14 and two, and it just seemed like blowing out every opponent. And it was just, it just came so easy. He just took the league by storm. And the Ravens really didn't have very many injuries, not until like the very end, right before the playoffs. So they were healthy. Lamar was taking everybody, everybody by storm. This season <clears throat> is a completely different story. Um, as as I'm sure many of you know, just the the amount of season ending injuries that started happening back in training camp and the preseason. And then it's continued where it just feels like Baltimore just can't, it's just some, some years it just happens where they just keep piling up. There's a, there's a website, I think it's called games, man games lost. And what they do is they measure each team, uh, how many games that were lost due to injury by players. So they start adding them up. Um, and actually Tennessee Titans have the most, but then what they also do is they look at the quality of players. So the Ravens this year have the second most, um, games lost to players being injured, but they're number one in the quality of players that are injured. Whereas Tennessee, the quality of their players until recently have been more like, you know, depth players, the Ravens have lost all pro left tackle. Who's supposed to be Lamar Jackson's, you know, security guard on the left side, losing an all pro cornerback. He lost his top, not one, not two, not three, but four running backs. Even the ones that the Ravens had to go out on the street and sign quickly before the season. I mean, he lost his first round uh, wide receiver who just recently came back a couple games ago. I mean, it just more offensive linemen. It just kept, piling and piling and piling up and it's undeniable that the Ravens are number one in the AFC North right now with a six and three record because Lamar Jackson has put this hobbled injured team on his shoulders to be number eight in both passing and rushing he he is producing more yards than entire teams in the NFL it's crazy it's crazy it's bananas. So, so when you look at the adversity, it was so much fun to watch in 2019, but the adversity that's coming on the Ravens and that it just doesn't, he just keeps going. And I, I just, I, I am stunned by it. The Ravens could easily with any other, with, with most quarterbacks would be on a losing season, getting ready. Like who are we going to draft in the top 10 right now? You know, and no, but right now we're still talking about how, you know, playoffs, because that's what happens when you have Lamar Jackson on your team. You're a playoff team. 
You're exactly right. And I got to say, I'm not an NFL reporter, never covered an NFL team the way that you have, but I was really shocked that the Ravens didn't try to go get Mark Ingram. I really thought, considering the fact that the Texans were struggling, Mark Ingram, one of the leaders in the NFL in rushing, I really thought that seemed like a good fit. Uh, but they've made Le'Veon Bell, Devonta Freeman, uh, you know, Tyson Williams, Latavius Murray, they've made these guys work. And you know what's crazy, Sarah, is that that's what Lamar always did at Louisville, whether it was Brandon Radcliffe, Reggie Bonifon, Malik Williams, who was a guy that they signed from the JUCO level who had no offers and, and signed a few weeks before um, a fall camp one year and became their leading rusher. Like, that's what Lamar always did at Louisville. And he right. made these guys great. He made them great. Right. He's like Jason Kidd. He's like Steve Nash. You know, the fact that his presence <laughs> on the field just makes them better. And, uh, you know, despite the injuries for the Ravens, you can see – um, you know, what he's always relied on is still working. You know, Mark Andrews is still there. He's got Hollywood Brown has been much better in that defense, you know, despite injuries has played pretty well, I would say. I mean, it, what are your thoughts well, on just the, the team? <clears throat> the defense has been situational. I mean, they're good. They've been good on third downs and they've been good in the red zone, but they've been atrocious on giving up big plays. They're actually number 24, which is way below Baltimore standards on defense. They're ranked number 24. Um yeah, I mean, listen, to your point, the Ravens are I, I, the Ravens are ranked number one in rushing offense, and it is all because of Lamar Jackson. And, and you know what? You know what the sad part is, though, is instead of people seeing that, at least national opponents, seeing that as a, as a positive, they try to change that into the negative and saying that he's, you know, a running back. And then you say, oh, but he's also number eight in passing. So, you know, like to, to say that, that, <clears throat> what does it say when, when our quote unquote running back is better than your quarterback? What does that say about your quarterback? So you just keep calling him a running back because our running back is better than your quarterback. So, so you can, you can label him however you want, but, um, but you know, the Ravens team, I, like I said, I, it's just not up to par. The defense isn't up to par, giving up way too many big plays, missed tackles. Uh, the rushing attack is, is virtually zero without Lamar. I mean, he's literally doing it all. The Ravens actually cut Le'Veon Bell today, uh, just a few hours ago. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think Latavius Murray might be coming back. He might be, he might be helpful. I know Ravens are getting Nick Boyle back, who's the best um, blocking tight end in the NFL. And I don't think that's hyperbole. Um, so, so hopefully they, they're getting some reinforcements back that should be able to help Lamar, but, but he, he needs it. He can't, you, you can't expect him to keep being Superman every week in and week out. Yeah. He's going to need to be Superman every week and week out looking at this <laughs> schedule. You've got the Browns twice. You've got the Steelers twice. You've got the Bengals. You've also got, you know, just a couple of mediocre teams like the Packers and the Rams. Um, yeah. <laughs> how does this season finish for Lamar? I mean, do you see, I mean, if they go through this stretch and win 70% of these games, Lamar's got to be the MVP, right? I mean, I mean, nobody has done more with less as you have clearly said, but how, how do you see this kind of closing out for the, for the Ravens here? Do you think it's, they could, they could get it back going and, and hopefully kind of come together. Or do you think they're headed towards maybe a, a little bit of uh, doom and gloom? No, with Lamar, as long as Lamar, I don't even like putting this in the universe. As long as Lamar is healthy, um, the Ravens, I, I think, are going to the playoffs. Um, uh, I think that the, the, the game in Miami, nobody likes – no coaches are going to say this and no players are going to say this, uh, but the Ravens went to the end of overtime five days before, and the offense played 99 snaps. 
And then five days later, they had to travel on the road for a Thursday night game. Um, you could tell they were exhausted. Yeah. And the Ravens said all the right things. Lamar said all the right things. They were like, no, that, that's not an excuse, this and that. And, it's, and they can't use it as an excuse. Well, I can. I watch them every week. <laughs> Okay. I watch him every week. So I don't think that Miami game is, is an indication of, of where they are now. Now they are going to have to get healthier and they are going to have to figure out a better rushing attack. And the defense has got to stop giving up big plays. Um, but I think they can do those things. And I think they have enough faith in each other and enough faith in Lamar, uh, that, that this is a, this team knows, doesn't know what quitting means. This team does not know that. So I still expect them to, to make it to the playoffs. And when they get into the playoffs, that's when the heat kind of really gets turned on with Lamar Jackson. Is that the, is the Super Bowl the last kind of big pillar of criticism for Lamar, in your opinion? The lack Probably, of a Super Bowl, yeah. I, guess I should say. Yeah. And I mean, that's not, <clears throat> I mean, yes, yes, and no. Um, the goalposts constantly get moved, constantly get moved. So, you know, first it's, he can't be a quarterback and then, Oh crap, he is a quarterback. Okay. Well, he can't be great. Oh, well, the Ravens are winning. Well, that's because they have a great defense. So then he wins MVP. Oh, but now he can't win in the playoffs. And so he wins a playoff game. Oh, but he can't, he can't come from behind. And the Ravens have come from behind three times by double digits this year. Uh, Oh, but that wasn't against winning teams. Casey's not good this year. I mean, they just constantly happen. And then I also covered a quarterback like Joe Flacco, who was a Super Bowl MVP. And this is a, what have you done for me lately league? And so even though Lamar, even though Joe Flacco was a Super Bowl MVP, put up numbers on par with Joe Montana, crazy. But the next year, if you're not repeating it, it doesn't matter anymore. So even if Lamar gets... you know, a Super Bowl win, it, you know, it's always going to be the next hurdle. It's always going to be the next hurdle. Um, so, so it's yes and no. And here's what <clears throat> I've actually learned from Lamar on like <clears throat> not getting too caught up because the criticism is, is never, ever going to end. M- m- my favorite thing about Lamar is his ability to not be distracted. That is such an underrated quality. He knows who he is and he knows what his goals are. If you don't know who you are and if you don't know what your goals are, the things that matter most to you can be sacrificed to things that matter least. Mm. The things that matter least are his noise from the Stephen A's of the world. Right. That means nothing. Lamar doesn't, Lamar doesn't put any value in it. Zero. He, when, when you know what your goal is, you know, okay, there are things that are good better and best. He doesn't even sacrifice the best for things that are better or things that are good. He knows what's good, better, best. He always is focused on the best. So he wins an MVP. That's better than most. He doesn't care. He wants a Super Bowl win. That's the ultimate team goal. He keeps breaking records. He's the fastest quarterback to 30 wins in the entire NFL history. He doesn't care. He wants a Super Bowl win. He's, he's, as we said, number eight in both rushing. He just tied uh, Vic for the most 100-yard games. Michael Vic had 13 seasons. This is his fourth. He doesn't care. All that stuff will come. The MVPs will come. All those records will come if you 
If you are focused on the ultimate goal, he doesn't sacrifice anything for that ultimate goal. So he doesn't get caught up in the noise of the national media and fans that don't know anything about him. And that's the try to, try, type of persona I've tried to take on too. It doesn't matter. He's just going to keep winning and overcoming whatever barrier you put in front of him. I've always resonated with the shirt he wore several years ago. It said, nobody cares, work harder. It's just such a, yep. such a great mindset to live by. And he's a guy that, you know, he didn't just say it, that that's truly what you're going to get from him. Uh, this has been fantastic. I can't thank you enough for your time, Sarah. I've got to ask you, we'll, we'll get out of here on this. I told you at the beginning of the show, I always ask guests for their best Lamar Jackson story. I'm going to put you on the spot. I know I didn't ask you ahead of time for this, but what is just your favorite Lamar Jackson story that when people ask about him that you tell every time? I gave it away at the top of the show. Oh no. See, that's <laughs> I, I always get the goods. I, t- I tell my co-host all the time, you got to hang on to the goodies. We got to tease a little bit at the beginning and then give them the good stuff later. I, I guess I went, I got to, I got ahead of myself there and got the, the best story, the draft day story. It's like a true yeah. draft day. The movie It's it's beautiful. It's, it's so good. Um, I guess my second favorite is um well definitely the the nobody cares work harder um there was a time in the middle of his mvp season when everything was uh going right and maybe this resonates with me because i have a similar faith to to lamar um but a, a media member asked him how do you stay grounded because if you i think it's different than in college i mean in college you still have players that have ego but it's not it's not the same as the NFL level because they're still trying to <clears throat> impress, you know, NFL coaches and NFL scouts. Um, you know, they haven't totally arrived yet. They're trying to like make it in the drafts and all that kind of stuff. When you get to the NFL, there are players that become so big that, you know, sometimes their opinions can matter more than coaches or some of the scouts or maybe the GM because they're that important to winning. And here's Lamar in the middle of this MVP season. And this reporter asks, you know, what, what keeps you grounded? How do you stay humble? And, you know, he just said, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. And, and, and he says, you know, I'm nothing without him. And yet he also believes that he can be anything with him. Yeah. So, so he, you know, gives that praise to the Lord. He gives praise to his mom. He gives praise to everybody that's helped him. He's so genuinely grateful, but he also, so he can, he can have that humility because of the Lord, but he also has confidence because of the Lord. And so he says, I can't put limits on myself because then that's putting limits on the Lord, whatever he has in store for me, you know, I'm going to go get it. And, and it's just the, the way he, he speaks sometimes because he's a man, a few words, but sometimes when you get deep with him like that, it's like, man, he's just so wise beyond his years. And, um, and I remember sharing that video and that quote on Twitter, and it was probably one of my most shared and viewed tweets ever, probably top five, because people are inspired by that. Lamar is inspiring. He's just inspiring. And that's why, you know, bringing it back to what you were saying, I'm not surprised that Louisville fans still have such a massive connection to, 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 to them, not only because of what he did for the school, but what he represents for the school as he's continued forward. What a, what a legacy you guys have. What a legacy. And I'm so, I'm so glad 
that I thought Louisville did a phenomenal job this weekend. They did everything so classy, so wonderful to put this wonderful young man um, on a national stage yet again um, to not only highlight his football skills, but just what an incredible, inspiring young man he is. Uh, you know, and I and and I just I can see why everybody's still so connected to him. He is. He's quite an individual, and I've never met the guy. We passed briefly my final year of college, uh, his first year, and you know, there's just the stories I've heard are incredible. Sarah, thank yep. you so much for your time. It has been absolutely wonderful to catch up with you and talk uh, Baltimore Ravens football, talk Lamar Jackson. Um, if you guys want to follow her, she has a wealth of Ravens content, NFL content. Uh, be sure to give her a follow on Twitter at SG Ellison. Um, all the Baltimore Ravens content that you can ever need. And as a Louisville fan, I can promise you there's not enough right now with Lamar Jackson playing the way he's playing. So give her a follow. Sarah, thank you so much. Uh, hopefully we can catch up soon. Uh, maybe towards the playoffs, a little Super Bowl action. I guess we'll see. Sure, sure. I'd love that. I really appreciate you having me on. It was, it's great to uh, get outside, you know, the little... <clears throat> bubble that I'm kind of in with the Ravens and I and I'm so glad to make more connections with Louisville fans Louisville's got this way about them of adopting people of other fan bases into their fan base uh and I think we're well on our way here so Sarah thank you so much all right have a good night When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.